Welcome back to After the Buzzer Sports Talk, and I'm your host, Aiden Mayer. All right, guys, welcome back for another episode. First time in a while, we've had back-to-back uh, days with episodes. I've just been very busy this summer. I do start school tomorrow, so I don't know how that'll affect the schedule. Probably won't change too much because I've been pretty busy this summer anyway. But in today's episode, we are going to be talking about the dreaded Red Sox, their three-game series against the Padres on Players Weekend. I know I'm done with the Red Sox, but for those of you who still care about them, We'll touch up on them to begin today's episode. Then I'm going to talk about my fantasy draft. I know you guys are probably like, why are you talking about your fantasy draft? But I start school tomorrow. I want, you know, something fun, different to do. So I'm basically going to just break down all of my picks. And, you know, I guess this will help you guys a little bit with your drafts if you want. I just think it'll be fun. I'll talk about, like, all my picks, how my team stacks up, all that type of jazz. So first we're going to start with the Red Sox. So let's get to that. Okay, so I've lost a little bit of interest in talking about this Red Sox team because a few episodes ago, I ranted so hard on this Red Sox team and said their season's over. So it's hard to talk about a team that season's over. But I'm going to do it anyway for those of you who are still interested. You won the series against the Padres in San Diego 2-1 to on Players Weekend. You won the first game 11 to nothing. That first game, you know, Rodriguez pitched well. You made some good plays in the field. J.D. Martinez was on fire. I mean, the bats were on fire, especially J.D. Martinez. Career high, seven RBIs. He had two three-run shots. So, I mean, that game was fun to watch. For those of you who still watch the Red Sox, that was a very good game because, you know, you cream them, you're making good plays in the field. The bats were on fire. Those jerseys look nice, too. They're the only good thing about the Red Sox. And that I've seen in a while. Those jerseys were good, I will admit. And I thought the Players Weekend kind of already happened where they had the nicknames. I wasn't really sure what that was called. I kind of forget. That was a while ago. It was very busy uh, that week. I couldn't really pay attention to what was going on with the Red Sox at that point. So I kind of forget. I thought they already had a Players Weekend. But whatever. I mean, it doesn't really matter. It's not going to help them win or lose. I mean, maybe lose, but not going to help them win. Second game. Of the series, going to San Diego, it was a good game. The Padres started out that game, well, the fourth inning, they had a good game. That was the third game, Jesus, I'm all messed up. The second game, they had a pretty good fourth inning, but so did you. So they kind of countered you there. You scored that run in the third inning. They score in the seventh. Then it's 4-4, to ninth inning. The Brock star saves you. We pitched Nathan Evaldi. That's when you knew it was going to be a tough, tough day. He only pitches three innings, four hits, two earned runs, a walk, three strikeouts. You knew it was going to be a tough day when Nathan Evaldi was pitching for you. And the Brock star saves you again. I mean, this is just getting ridiculous. I mean, the Brock star has saved you now twice in what? Well, he saved you... The other day, what was that? How many days ago? Uh, let's see. Let's do the quick math. That couldn't be more than a week ago when he saved you against that Royals, uh, against the Royals in that uh, makeup game. Yeah, remember that game? Yeah. So that's two times this week that the Brock Star saved you. Uh, so take that for what it's worth. The Brock Star saves you once again. <sighs> that's just. 
I, I can just imagine, okay, right now, those Red Sox fans that still believe we're going to make the playoffs, just, like, chanting the Brock Stars name. Like, they're just in their – they're just huddled up in their basement with their Red Sox uh, jackets on. They're just like, Brock Star, Brock Star, Brock Star. I can just – oh, I, I can already see it. Oh, my God, those ones. Like, yeah, we're going to make the playoffs. Let's go. Brock Star, Brock Star. Yeah. Those guys, oh my god, I can already see them like just in their basement, pumped up with the Red Sox jackets on, chanting Brock Holt's name. Oh, I can already, I can see it. I can just visualize it. Those people who still care, like it was cool to see, but I just didn't care because their season is done. Then I said, all right, if you just want to crack at this, like if you want to make this series matter, I don't really care about you guys anymore, but if you want us to make this season matter, You've got to win this last game of the series. And, of course, they don't because they can't close anything out. Uh, they let, Brian Johnson lets up the three runs in the first inning. Uh, just Brian Johnson. Oh, should have chose football. He really should have. He's just, no, I'm not digging him like, I just, Brian Johnson. I know, you know, they had that good story with the whole football and the anxiety thing, and then he gets the second uh, in his second game, he got the shutout. Second career major league game, he gets a shutout. But really, he's not that good. I don't like when he pitches. I really don't like when anyone pitches on this team. Three innings pitch, four hits, three earned runs, three walks, one strikeout. Pretty similar to Nathan Avaldi's day the day before. Uh, but his day was probably a little worse. Brian Johnson uh, says says a lot just because Avaldi's pretty bad too. But the Brock star didn't save you that day. He was one for one with the hit. He pinch hit for Marcus Walden. So, yeah, he, he could have saved you if he played the whole game, I'm telling you. But, no, the Brock star, you should have played him. I don't know why. The Brock star is just so magical. Uh, I don't know what to say, though. You lost 3-1. to one After the bullpen came in and did its job. Ryan Brazier came in for an inning, did well. Andrew Castro came in for an inning. Two innings and did okay. He let up that hit into the left corner, left field corner. He, he wasn't great, okay? He wasn't great, but he kept the runs off the board. Marcus Wallen comes in for an inning. Then Brock Holt pinch hits for him. Matt Barnes came in in that eighth inning. And you pitched him in the eighth inning, hoping that he could come in and keep the game at 3-1. He didn't close out the game. He didn't come in in the ninth, but he came in in that eighth inning to somewhat salvage the game, but you couldn't uh, take uh, advantage of that in the top of the ninth inning, unfortunately. So, I mean, this is just what I'm talking about. There's those Red Sox fans. Well, look, you see, JBJ made that great catch, and Brock Holt, yeah, saved the day. J.D. Martinez, look what happened, and we won the series. That's great, but I checked the standings. You're still six games behind the Rays. So this is the thing. When you won five of six, I said the same thing. You gained a half game of ground. It doesn't matter if you win the games. You have to make up ground at the same time, and you're not. You were six games behind the Rays when the series started. So, yeah, you won two of three. But so did the Rays in their series. So it that just doesn't matter. And I realize the Red Sox are seven and three in their last ten. They'll be three and seven in their next ten. because uh, that's just how it's gonna go. You know, don't get too excited. This is what I'm talking about. I've said it the whole entire year. When this team, you know, gets a you know, they go like they'll win two of three or they'll win three of four, and people start to get a little excited, then they drop like three and 
three or three in a row, or they drop four or five or something like that, or they drop three or four. They're a joke. They can't focus. And this is the thing. They win two games in a row. You know, the first game, they cream the Padres. Second game, you know, the Brockstar saves the day. Then the third game, they just lose it. The only real fun part was seeing, oh, everyone, the Brockstar, the Brockstar, and then seeing that guy wipe out on his way to third, blow a tire in that game three against the Padres, and then hear the Padres announce that this guy is just a serious lisp. He's like, and he just pulled a Zion Williamson. He just simply pulled a Zion Williamson. Oh, that that cracked me up. I won't lie. That was really what t- uh, made me tune in. The guy blowing his tire, hearing everyone chant, Brock Star, Brock Star. Everyone that thinks the Red Sox are still going to the playoffs, easily winning the wild card game, uh, winning the World Series, easy back to back champs. For those of you that just chant the Brock Star's name, whatever, you, I, I just I can't talk about this team without cringing at the moment because I go on this. There's not much to talk about, okay? And I said last episode, I'm going to lose interest in talking about this team. After that rant, I said their season's over. Unless they really heat up, like, three series in a row. Like, let's say they got ten games and they go nine and one. Maybe I'll start talking. But they beat two or three against a mediocre Padres team. Where Brock, the Brock star, Brock Holt had to save you two times this week. When Brock Holt has to save you two times in a week, that's when you know... Probably not a great week, okay? Well, you won two games, sure, but Brock Holt had to save you twice. Brock Holt probably shouldn't be playing, but he is because the Red Sox have, frankly, quote-unquote given up, air quotes, given up, because I, I think I think in their heads they know the season's over, but they just don't come out and say it, obviously. So I'll put it in air quotes, this season is over in their minds. Because they know the season's over, but they're not going to come out and say it. Obviously, you can't. You, that's, just how you, that's just how you really, really uh, make yourself a hated figure in the locker room, but among fans, you just coming out and saying the season's over. Until it's officially over, you just can't say that. Even if you know it's true. I'm sure most of them do know it's true. I'm sure there are some voices in there like Xander Bogart saying, come on, guys, we've got to go out when this game season isn't over. Deep down, probably 99% of that team knows, 95% of that team knows the season's over, like I do. I'm sorry, I just can't talk about this team without just cringing up because I just know it's over. Why are we still talking about this team, right? So I just cringe up every time because I feel like I'm a broken record. I've said the same exact five sentences for the whole entire year, right? I I just feel like a broken record at this point. So I'm sorry if I I just stutter and I cringe up when I talk about this team because I can't take them seriously anymore after, what was it, two episodes ago I ranted on them, maybe three. I just can't do it anymore. I'm sorry. So that is my little take on the Red Sox there. I can't stress it str- uh, stress it anymore. Just the season's over. For those of you who are chanting the uh, Brockholt's name in your basement, saying the season isn't over, just forget it. You just gotta re- you just gotta come back to earth, come down to earth. Realize you're not making up any ground on the Rays. Realize you're way too inconsistent. 
to do it, and it just it's, it's over. Okay, I I'm not gonna say it any more times. We are moving on to my fantasy football draft before I say it one more time. So let's get to that. Okay, so basically, yesterday, right before, uh, right after I filmed yesterday's podcast, longest ever. So you guys better listen to that. Did my fantasy football rankings? Talked about Andrew Luck. And then I talked about the Patriots week three preseason takeaways slash game against the Carolina Panthers. Hour 30 minutes. So you guys better go listen to that. Took a lot of time. Right after that, at my house, I had a fan a live fantasy draft. So basically, you know, I get the draft board, I get the setup. I get all the, you know, the player sheet. So basically, it's the one where you get the draft board, and then you put the stickers on there. Yeah. So it's a 10-person league. Uh, It's a keeper league. Each team will get two tradable keeper spots, which means if you don't get what that means, you take your team next year, whatever your final roster is going into the draft next year, you'll get to keep two players. But if you trade for a keeper spot, you'll get to keep three players on your roster. If you trade one away and you only have one left, you only get to keep one player. Yeah, you get the point. It's half PPR, uh, and it's a snake-style draft. So I got the seventh pick in the draft, but in the next round, so in the first uh, – I had the seventh pick. So in the first round, I we pulled it out of uh, our the draft positions out of a hat. So I get the seventh pick in the first round. The next round, I'll get the fourth pick. Third round, seventh pick. Fourth round, fourth pick. You get the point, and it's a 15-round draft. Not 16. Usually most leagues are 16. Our league is 15, and then there's quarterback. You play quarter one quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, a tight end, kicker, defense, flex, and then bench. So with my first-round pick, I'm not going to say who was taken off the board, but I'll just say for the first round. The first overall pick was Saquon Barkley. Second was DeAndre Hopkins, which I was hoping he'd fall to seven, but he was picked second, which is bold. Third, Alvin Kamara. Fourth, Christian McCaffrey. Fifth, James Conner. Colin picked him. The one on the episode picked James Conner fifth. Interesting, I know. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott went sixth. That's a bit of a uh, risk. And then I took David Johnson with my seventh pick. So basically I'm just going to break down every single pick who I was, you know, looking to get here. Like who are my top options? My top options really here. I was really only considering David Johnson or Le'Veon Bell. Devonte Adams crossed my mind, but I was like, nah, I won't. I really came down to Bell and Johnson. I was sitting there for a few minutes really thinking, who should I take? And both are risk because Bell hasn't played in over a year. Johnson's had that big injury a few seasons ago, and some people would argue is a bit disappointing. So I kind of came down to it, and I said, I'm going to go with David Johnson. I think he'll be a little better in PPR if he can stay healthy. I know last season some people think, like Thomas, uh, from the tip-off, he was in this draft. He he had the fourth pick. He picked Christian McCaffrey. he basically told me, yeah, I picked David Johnson. I thought he had a disappointing year. I mean, he put up 196 fantasy points last season. So he had a good year, but he didn't have a great year. But I do still consider him worthy of that first-round pick. He played all 16 games. He had 258 rushing attempts for 940 yards, seven touchdowns rushing. But it's where receiving, he really makes his money as a first-round talent. Three receiving touchdowns. Uh, for 446 yards and 50 receptions. So he's a solid PPR player. 
Now, those stats don't really make me want to pick him with the seventh overall pick. But I, I just decided, you know what? I'm going to do it. And David Johnson is now 27 years old, so I'm hoping this season will be a little better. I'm hoping maybe he can get around, you know, because before he went down with it, you remember that big year, he had 80 catches, a total of 2,100 18 scrimmage yards. Now, I don't expect that type of year, but I'm hoping he'll put up at least 1,500 scrimmage yards and maybe at least 13 touchdowns. I'd say that's fair. And maybe around 55 to uh, maybe 58 to 65 catches. Okay. I think he should be a little better than he was last season because I think their offense, uh, scheme wise, under Cliff Kingsbury will be a very good fit. I think their offense will be a little better than it was last season, at least. And I think he'll be one more year back from his injury. Remember, in 2017, he only played one game. He got hurt. 11 rushing attempts. 11th, he was down with an injury. So I think last season was where he had a solid season. He was easing his way back into things. He was 26. I think 27, I mean, he's not getting, like, too old. He's still, you know, climbing his way up in his prime year. So I think between that and the fact that, his injury you know, last year was kind of a year where he could ease his way back into things. I think David Johnson should at least be a little better than he was last season, at least put up about 205 fantasy points for me, 210 maybe, somewhere around that. That's my hope. He puts up at least 210 fantasy points because you want your first-round pick to you know play 15 to 16 games and really uh, do well in all those games as well. And then with my second uh, – my – with my second round pick, which is fourth in that round, I took Juju Smith-Schuster. So happy about this pick. Uh, there were wide receivers like Tyreek Hill, Odell Beckham, Mike Evans. All those guys were available. Uh, Travis Kelsey, all the tight ends were available, every single one. Even Joe Mixon was available. But I went with Juju Smith-Schuster here. Juju had 111 receptions last season. Now, I'm not sure he'll put up 111 again. Like, I, maybe he will. I think his max has got to be 115, but I think it'll be just a little lower because I think last season, you have to remember, A.B. took the best corner. Like, some weeks, Juju Smith-Schuster, like, the best cornerback would go on Juju Smith-Schuster if, like, A.B. was just struggling uh, that day or that stretch of time. But for the most part, the best cornerback was on a uh, Antonio Brown. But nonetheless, I think Juju Smith-Schuster will do just fine. Being the number one wide receiver in Pittsburgh, I think he'll handle that role completely fine. I think he's a reliable player. You know, he hasn't so far, knock on wood... Hasn't been injury prone. Uh, you look at him, he hasn't really gotten in any trouble like Tyreek Hill has, which makes him a bit unreliable. And so I kind of look at those things when drafting Juju Smith-Schuster. Now, he's not going to score a ton of touchdowns. I think last season he had seven touchdowns, so maybe this season around eight or nine. Like, maybe he does score 10 or 11, but Juju Smith-Schuster, he's going to put up, you know, a touchdown every two games on average, but he's going to give you a ton of yards and receptions. I think I think he had about 1,200 receiving yards last season. I'm not sure. It could be more than that. So, I mean, this guy, especially for PPR, I mean, that's a half point per reception. This guy had 111 receptions last season. Uh, 1,400 receiving yards. This guy could go for 1,500. I mean, seriously, I don't think he'll get as many receptions as he did last year. 
but I still still think it'll be at least at 95 or 100 receptions, which will still be top five in the league at very least. So I just look at Juju. Again, he's not going to rack up a ton of touchdowns. I mean, seven's still a solid number. He had seven in 2017 as well, so seven seems to be the lucky number for Juju. He might put up eight or nine this season. Maybe 10. I don't know. Maybe he does go off for a lot of touchdowns, but he'll give you a solid amount of touchdowns, but the most important thing is he's reliable. He's going to give you a ton of receptions and receiving yards. I love this Juju Smith-Schuster pick. Uh, Thomas was only a few picks after me, too, from the tip-off, and he really wanted Juju Smith-Schuster, and I took him, not just because I wanted to get him out, but I really like Juju. So that's, that's who I went with there, especially for PPR. I really liked him, and that is... One on the Thomas Rage count. Uh, you might have a, one or two more Rages from Thomas and a few other guys. And then in the third round, I had the seventh pick in the third round, I took Adam Thielen. A few people say he's going to bust this year. Uh, I know he's a beast at the beginning of the year, slowed down towards the end of the year, but I do still really like Adam Thielen. But it really came down to him and Zach Ertz. Um, you know, there's some guys on the board, like Antonio Brown was on the board, and I know I said on my uh, wide receiver rankings that I put A.B. over Adam Thielen. Some of you guys may not be too happy. Like, you put a, uh, you picked Adam Thielen over A.B., and A.B. could simply have one of the better years in fantasy, but again, I just don't know if I trust Derek Carr, and I think Adam Thielen will be more of a reliable guy than Antonio Brown. And for PPR, Antonio Brown doesn't get a ton of catches. I mean... No, he gets a lot of catches. For some reason, it's mentally. Uh, but when I just think of Antonio Brown, I think of a guy that just gets a few big-time catches each game, like a few 40-yard catches or something each game. So that's why he just kind of – just picking him just bothers me for some reason for a PPR league. I mean, it wouldn't bother me if it's, you know, the fourth or fifth round, but I can't pull off his stats, of course, at the moment. It's just not working. But so I don't know how many catches he got because his computer just sometimes decides to act up. But between Zach Ertz and Adam Thielen, it went down for me. I almost picked Zach Ertz. If it weren't for Evan Ingram, I would have picked Zach Ertz. Now, I'm not saying I picked that Evan Ingram. I actually don't end up picking Evan Ingram. Long story. I'll get to it in a minute. But I, I thought about it this way. I said... Either take Adam Thielen and add another receiver to to Juju Smith-Schuster or take Zach Ertz now. But if I pick Adam Thielen now, I can probably grab Evan Ingram in the fifth or sixth round. I thought that. I said, you know what? Evan Ingram won't put up the same stats as Zach Ertz, but I think he could put up 80-85% of what Zach Ertz did. And I can take a third-round talent now and then... I think that was worth it. That was a good game plan at the time, so I went with Adam Thielen, and Zach Ertz went with the next pick. And then in the fourth round, fourth pick of that round, I went a little risky here and took Josh Jacobs. There were some guys on the board like – let me take a look. There were some receivers on the board, but I knew I had – there weren't really any tight ends worthy to go in the fourth round at this point. Kittle, Kelsey, and Ertz were all gone. So I said, I'm probably going to have to go with the running back. I've got two wide receivers I trust and one running back that I'm not really sure how much I trust. So I knew I had to take a running back here. And Philip Lindsay was available. Aaron Jones was available. Guys like that, Mark Ingram even. But I said, no, I'm going to go with Josh Jacobs. Now, the scary part about Jacobs is, one, I'm not his biggest believer, and two, I haven't seen a running back do good in Oakland for ages. 
It has been such a long time. These past years, they haven't had anyone. But Josh Jacobs has looked good. He took over for Damian Harris at Alabama. I mean, that just shows a lot. He's got a great story. I think he can be good in PPR. I think he can catch balls out of the backfield. I think he can be a very good playmaker in that Oakland offense. And I think he can be a good fantasy player. He's a risk, but his eight at draft percentage, his ADP, on average, he'd go in the third round. So I thought, you know what? It's not as big of a risk as most people were taking. Most people were taking this guy in the third round. He's in the fourth round. Josh Jacobs, I think, next year could be a first-round talent going into fantasy. I decided, you know what, I'm going to risk it for him. I don't think David Johnson is like a big, risky player, but I think he brings some risk because, you know, last year he did, he played like more of a second-round talent last year, and then obviously he had the injury before. But I think, you know what, I'm going to roll the dice with David Johnson, and I'm going to roll the dice with Josh Jacobs as well. At this point, I'm thinking i got to pick another running back soon, but then again, I, I still have to pick a quarterback, a tight end, but I do feel good about my position at wide receiver but as much as I feel good about wide receiver and I feel a little uneasy about running back I don't have a tight end don't have a quarterback I decided in the fifth round with the seventh pick in the fifth round to take Kenny Galladay now you're probably saying Aiden why you you the one position you really feel good about is wide receiver and I counter to you with Kenny Galladay in the fifth round, in my opinion, is a great pick. I love Kenny Galladay. I picked him last year in fantasy. I think I might have picked him up off the waiver wire. I picked him late in the draft, and he had a very good underrated season. You could look at him as a sleeper. In my opinion, he's a fourth-round talent that I snagged in the later part of the fifth round. I saw his name there, and my eyes just lit up. But the downside to this, I forgot to tell you guys this, Evan Ingram was taken with the pick before. Now, this could be a blessing and a curse at the same time. It could be a blessing or a curse, I mean. Either Evan Ingram goes off and I was right, but I didn't end up getting to pick him, or it turns out Evan Ingram's not as good as I think and Kenny Galladay ends up being the better pick anyway. That's what I hope ends up happening. Uh, my tight ends that I end up picking are not going to be as good as Evan Ingram, in my opinion. We'll see. One of them's a big wild card, but... Kenny Galladay to be, he had a great year last year. As long as he can stay healthy, he's going to have a great year in Detroit. I think they're going to be, Matt Stafford's going to be a bit more aggressive this season. Last year's system kind of had a more checkdowns. I think this season will be a bit more aggressive. Uh, less checkdowns to guys like Carry on Johnson, more tar- even more targets, especially without Golden Tate for Kenny Galladay. Expect an even better year for a guy in Kenny Galladay who had a pretty good season last year. And then with the fourth pick in the sixth round, I made a move. Well, it came down to Derrick Henry or James White. Now, Marlon Mack was still available, Chris Carson, Tariq Cohen. But I decided to limit my options to James White or Derrick Henry. And you're probably saying, hey, you had to go with Derrick Henry, right? I mean, Derrick Henry is going in the third round of drafts, and he's available in the sixth round. Now, you do have to remember this is PPR, and Derrick Henry's. Really going to do nothing for you in a PPR league. Well, not do nothing, but not going to catch any passes. Well, on the flip side, James White is going to take catch a boatload of passes. If it was sta- if it were standard fantasy, I would take Derrick Henry. Now, you have to remember these two things. One, it's PPR. So, James White's a PPR beast. Derrick Henry's going to do nothing. Getting re- He's not going to get any receptions. And two, I'm not the big I'm not the biggest fan of Derrick Henry. Not. Now, I do think he'll have a solid year. I do think, you know, he got 10 touchdowns last year and, like, 
three games started or something. He played all 16 games. So this season, he's probably going to have at least 12, 13 touchdowns. I mean, he heated up at the end of the year. He's going to get he's gonna get rushing yards. He's going to get rushing touchdowns. He's going to get points. And James White, on the other hand, he's a big wild card. I hate picking Patriots wide receivers. I'm a Patriots, uh, not wide receivers. I hate picking really any Patriots players because you never know how big they're going to be in the game plan. Listen, James White should be the starter pretty much every week. He should be, but that doesn't mean he will be. I mean, Sony Michelle, again, he's got a good case as well. So maybe not should, should be. But Sony Michelle was taking the pick right before uh, James White, too, ironically. I'll take James White over Sony Michelle uh, in fantasy. I will. Because, especially for PPR, for these two things. One, I mean, James White's going to catch way more, get way more receptions than Sony Michelle. And two, Michelle injury, you know, he's so injury prone. James White, not really on the other hand. Knock on wood. Sorry for doing that. But uh, yeah, between James White and Derrick Henry, if it's standard, Derrick Henry probably wouldn't have even been there in the sixth round if it were standard. But I decide to go with James White. Derrick Henry is taken with the next pick. I could end up regretting that decision. Derrick Henry is definitely a bit of a safer, more consistent pick, in my opinion. James White could go for 20, could could go for two. I'll probably play him on a week-to-week role. I I do my scouting for fantasy, so I'll, I'll listen to some podcasts. I'll do my own scouting on my own time and all that. So if there's a matchup that is very favorable for James White and people think he'll play a big role, I'll slide him in the lineup. If it sounds like a week where he's not really going to play, I'll take him out. Then in the seventh round of the draft with the seventh pick in the round, I took Matt Ryan. I took a quarterback here. Uh, I took a quarterback, you know, seventh round. Some people would argue more eighth rounds when you should take one. But Matt Ryan was one of the best quarterbacks on my board. Here were the quarterbacks already taken. Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Drew Brees, Tom Brady. I know, that was ridiculous. It was a bit of a joke pick, but in the fifth round, I, I Tom Brady's a bench-level fantasy quarterback, and that person took him fourth. Uh, Baker Mayfield was taken, Jared Goff, and then I took Matt Ryan. Ironically, Aaron Rodgers was still on the board. And he was the next quarterback taken. So you're probably saying Aaron Rodgers and Matt Ryan fell that far. Yes. Now, why did you take Matt Ryan instead of Aaron Rodgers? Because I feel like I trust Matt Ryan a little more. Like Aaron Rodgers only threw for 25 touchdowns last season. That could be worse this season. Matt Ryan went for 35-7 and and over 4,000 passing yards. Now, this season, Matt Ryan could go for like 30-10 and and 3,800. But I trust Matt Ryan a little more than Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers only 25 touchdowns last season. I do think it should be a little higher, that number, but I just don't know. But I really like Matt Ryan. I really, really like him for fantasy. And I know I put Aaron Rodgers ahead of Matt Ryan in my quarterback rankings. But you have to remember, I also put Antonio Brown over Adam Thielen. It's a gut feeling at the time. I said, you know what, I want to go with Matt Ryan. I was eyeing Ryan for a while. Uh, but the guy that took Jer- – Jared Goff was one pick before Matt Ryan, and the guy that was picking him told me, I think I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers here. It's just like, yes, please, narrow down the options because I want to pick Matt Ryan, but the back of my mind is telling me, remember, you took Aaron Rodgers like ahead of your rankings, uh, ahead of Matt Ryan. But I feel like Matt Ryan's just going to be more consistent. I trust him more. I really am a big Matt Ryan fan. So hopefully that pick pans out. Uh, and I was right between choosing Matt Ryan and Aaron Rodgers, but there shouldn't be too big of a difference between the two. And then in the eighth round of the draft, with the fourth pick, I picked, in my opinion, the biggest sleeper in fantasy, 
my favorite sleeper at least, Austin Eckler. I wanted to wait one more round on this pick. You're probably saying, yeah, he's probably more of a ninth-round talent. And remember, Aiden, you don't have a tight end. But I sat there, and I was going to wait on Austin Eckler, but I'm such a big fan. I think he's going to be so good this year. And my friend is a loud whisperer. Okay, he's a loud whisperer. Luke, you know the one that's on the podcast once or twice? He's a loud whisperer. He goes out into the kitchen. We are doing in the living room. Goes out into the kitchen. Is talking to Thomas. I think it was Thomas. Maybe someone else. Like, I know. Yeah, like, Aiden, you're drafting with nine other guys. You only seem to mention, like, a few guys. I just want to mention the guys you know. And Luke whispers, like, Austin Eckler. I hear him. And I'm just like, oh, no, you didn't. You're not, ta- you're not touching Austin Eckler. It's not happening. You are not touching Austin Eckler. It's just not going to happen because I am a big Austin Eckler fan this year. You are not taking him. And he had... So basically, since it's snake style, after that pick that I had, he had two picks before I had my next pick. So I knew I had to pick Eckler because that was the guy that he was aiming for. So I said, no, no, you're not. He strangled me for that pick. Uh, But I'm glad I made it. I'm so glad. I wanted to wait one more round and try to take a tight end there. But things worked out because in the ninth round, uh, seventh pick in the ninth round, I took Eric Ebron. Ebron was probably the top guy on my board at that point anyway. Now Austin Hooper just got – wait. No, never mind. No tight ends were taken anyway. So it ended up working out in my favor because no tight ends ended up getting taken between when I picked Eckler and Eric Ebron. Now, guys like Austin Hooper were available, David Njoku, and those guys had good cases. They're safer picks, more consistent picks, especially without Andrew Luck. Eric Ebron's a big wild card, but Eric Ebron put up 13 touchdowns on 66 receptions last year. So, He's not a PPR beast. I mean, 66 receptions is not a ton. And I don't accept, uh, expect him to put up the stats he put up last season, like 13 touchdowns. I don't think it's going to happen. But if Ebron could even just give me 8-58, and 58, I'd be happy. Because I just look at it, he's not going to put up the stats he put up last season. I had Ebron last year. He's a beast. But I just don't expect him to put up those stats again. I knew I was going to have to aim for a safer tight end with my second but I said you know what at this point it's all or nothing because if I start Austin Hooper or David Njoku at tight end I'm not gonna get great production out of them they're just gonna be under average tight ends Eric Ebron is either going to bust or he's going to do you know he's gonna be a good fantasy tight end so I decided to go with the risk there because I said you know what one it's the ninth round and two I'm a good fantasy player. I can wheel and deal and get someone if I need to, or I can seek um, the waiver wire. I'll be just fine. Take the risk. If it doesn't pan out, you're going to pick a good backup tight end, and you can just wheel and deal, Aiden. Just go with Eric Ebron here. I think it'll be worth the risk. And then in the 11th, yeah, 10th, 10th round, I... Some people call this a steal. I don't think it's as big of a steal as some people are cracking it up to be, although it's a pretty big steal. Fourth pick in the 10th round, I took Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon possibly could have fallen even farther, too. I feel like people just forgot about him in my draft. People weren't even, like, that impressed that I picked him, either. Like, I went up to pick him, and they were like, oh, okay, like... Like, nice little steal there, but people don't think he's gonna play in my league. I don't think he's gonna play either. But when you get the chance to pick a first-round talent... In the 10th round, even if you think he's going to hold out, you pick him. Unless he's hurt or 
you even if he says he's gonna hold out, like he says he's gonna hold out. If if Mel, my best case scenario here is because I have Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon. Best case scenario, Melvin Gordon gets traded before Week One to like Houston. That would be great. Now I have Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler. And James White, Josh Jacobs, David Johnson. And if Jacobs ends up busting or Johnson ends up getting hurt or White ends up just being, like, ends up getting benched, like he's just the backup running back, I now have Eckler and Gordon. So if Gordon ends up getting traded, my team is a absolute is an absolute powerhouse. If he doesn't play, I'm not too mad, okay? If Melvin Gordon doesn't play, I'm not too mad. Uh, the tough decision at the end of the year will be if Melvin Gordon doesn't play and I decide to hold on to him, should I use a keeper spot on him? Because right now, Juju Smith-Schuster is basically a lock. As long as I hang on to him, I'm going to probably end up sending a keeper spot on him. And then I look at the rest, like David Johnson, you know, that's a tough one. Josh Jacobs could really go off this year. Not sure about Thielen, but, you know, even I'm just going to have to trade for some keeper spots because I like my team. And I want to keep on to uh, hold on to a lot of those guys. But as much as I'm not a big Melvin Gordon fan, you get the chance to pick a first round talent in the tenth round. Even if you think he's going to hold out, you, you just never know. So I had to pick him there. I just had to. And then with the seventh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just the eleventh round. I think it's the seventh overall pick. I this is first of all, this is where I said I make my money. I told you guys. I told. Everyone in my league, when you guys are starting to really get a little foolish, start not really paying attention, start thinking about picking defenses, I am go like Chicago's defense and New Orleans defense were picked. And so were the LA Rams defense at this point. Well, you guys are kind of, you know, starting to goof off a little, pick defenses. I am going to be making my money. I picked Mike Williams in the 11th round. Yes, the one that has been taking taken in fifth round, like ESPN ranked him 49th. I think he's more of a sixth round talent, right? So somebody in leagues, he's going from like the fifth round to the seventh round. I took him in the 11th round. I mean, he's going to be the second option behind Keenan Allen on that offense. He had a solid year last year. There were some wide receivers I still really liked that I wanted to pick, like Cortland Sutton. I think he could do something. Uh, Who else was available? Larry Fitzgerald, Tyrell Williams. I can't really tell because it's a snake draft, but Will Fuller might have been available. I love Will Fuller, but he's just way too injury prone. I love I love Will Fuller. I drafted him last year, and when he's healthy, he's a beast, but he just can't stay healthy. I think he just got taken right before. But, no, I took Mike Williams. I think that's a steal. He rounds out what I think is a very good wide receiving core. I'm going to roll with four wide receivers and five running backs because I feel like my running – I feel like one – just anyway, you go. I went into the draft like I'm probably gonna want to pick five running backs and four wide receivers. And when I looked at my uh, running back core, uh, well, I had five running backs anyway, so I kind of had to pick a wide receiver there. But no, I mean Juju Smith-Schuster, Adam Thielen, Kenny Galladay. I mean, I picked three top five, you know, top fifty talents. At wide receiver, I think Mike Williams really rounds that out beautifully, and that's a great fourth wide receiver to have. And I just love my top three. I don't think I'll end up playing Mike Williams a lot. I don't really want to, but I do think I'm gonna sit him on the bench, see if he can live up to expectations, and if he does, that's a that's a steal. And he could have some uh, 
trade value as well. And then in the 12th round of the draft, I took Kyle Rudolph. Now, this is my safe tight end to back up my wild card. Because you have to remember, Eric Ebron's big wild card, so I pick more of a safer tight end to back him up. Kyle Rudolph has a much lower ceiling than Eric Ebron, but I'd say he has a higher floor as well. I liked Kyle Rudolph coming into the draft, and he did fall. He did fall. I expected him to go a little sooner, but when he was there, it was either for me, it was either him or Carson Wentz. And I said, you know what? There's still some quarterbacks like Sam Darnold on the board. And I trust Matt Ryan more than I do Eric Ebron. So I'll take Kyle Rudolph. And I knew Rudolph would not fall to my next pick. So I decided to go with the safe bet, Kyle Rudolph behind my wild card and Eric Ebron. Then in the 13th round, uh, 14th, 13th, yes, 13th round, I went with Sam Darnold. I do trust in Matt Ryan, but if Matt Ryan goes down with an injury or is having a disappointing season, I have a young quarterback in Sam Darnold who I think will have somewhat, will either have a breakout season or somewhat of a breakout season. I think he's going to pick up pretty much right where he left off uh, last season. He had a he ended the year very very well. I mean, he started the year a little. Uh, it was a little rough at the beginning of the year, but he ended it. Very, very well. Very good ending to his rookie campaign. If he can pick up where he left off, I am very confident in my quarterback core. Uh, Very confident in Matt Ryan. And if Sam Darnold picks up where he left off, I am very confident in him too, especially considering how young he is. I don't think he'll be the next Patrick Mahomes or anything. I think at best he'll end up being a average starter by the end of the year, average starter type player. And if he does, maybe I'll shop him. Matt Ryan's having a good year. Maybe I'll start if Matt Ryan's struggling a little bit. We'll see. And then in the 14th round, I took the LA Chargers defense. 15th round, I took Adam Vinatieri. Again, I told you guys, I wait for the last two rounds for defenses and kickers. I prefer to pick the defense before I do pick my kicker. I think the defenses bring a bit more value to have the better defense. But it doesn't really matter. I mean, people were taking defenses in the 10th round of this draft when I was stealing. Like, the L.A. Rams defense, it was either the L.A. Rams defense or Chicago's defense was taken before Melvin Gordon. You are picking a defense before a first-round talent. That is ridiculous, okay? It's ridiculous enough to take a defense in the 10th round, okay? If it was a kicker, I would have been really mad because, if you know, you just can't. Someone took Justin Tucker in the 13th round. I understand, yeah, it's Justin Ch- Tucker. You just can't. That was Noah. Noah was on the podcast. Noah, I will say, though, was smart about it. He said, nope, I'm going to wait on tight ends. He had good tips, I will say. He's one of the better fantasy players uh, in our league. But him picking Justin Tucker in the 13th round surprised me a little bit. And he took Minnesota's defense in the 11th round. He is a Minnesota Vikings fan, but I was surprised from him because, you know, from him, he'd be the guy that would side with me there. I would say, you got to wait for those last two rounds. The only people in my league to wait for the last two rounds for a kicker and defense were one, two, three, four, four. Me and Colin, and then a friend of mine and his brother. So the bro- the brother sets were the only ones. So we- there was only four. I mean, you can take a defense in the 13th round. Like, a lot of these teams did that. But, I mean, it's up to you. But I wait till the last two rounds because I want to get those best available players. I'm going to end up cutting my defenses and kickers here and there anyway. It's just going to happen. These people are going to regret taking a defense that they end up kicking. You know, take them too early. Just don't do it if you don't want. If you have a draft coming up, don't do it. Don't be like, oh, this defense is good. Don't. Wait for the last two rounds. You'll end up cutting your 
kickers and defenses anyway. I'd really, if I were you, look at the week one matchup too. Like, I picked the Chargers defense because they're good and they're facing the Colts in week one. Now, if Andrew Luck was playing, I probably wouldn't have picked the Chargers. The Chargers have a good week one matchup. That's why I picked them. It's a week-to-week thing with the defenses and the kickers. So just don't don't reach for defenses. Don't reach for kickers. So, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Uh, go follow my Instagram at AfterTheBuzzerSportsTalk. Uh, all lowercase, no, spa- uh, no spaces. Again, that's at AfterTheBuzzerSportsTalk. No lowercase, all spaces. You get some good sports content there and podcast alerts because I have a bit of an inconsistent schedule. So, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Call in on the Anchor mobile app. Anything is on the table. Anything I talked about today. Anything in sports you want to talk about. Uh, wish me luck at first day of school tomorrow. Uh, but, yeah, thank you guys for listening, and I hope to see you all next time.